Hi there, everyone. I'm really excited to be starting this new series, Family Life Boosters. Family Life Boosters. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love family. We thank you that you have a revelation, a very strong revelation of family because you're the one who created this institution of family. So we're so open, Father God, to learn from you what you have to say concerning family. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 to 5, the Bible says, speaking of overseers, one of the key qualifications of an overseer of a church, Bible says he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? This is such a powerful scripture because it shows me that the thing that's most important with regards to success in life, it's really how I deal with things in my own household. My promotion and the key to my promotion is based on how I am at home. You see, I can have impression management. I can be strong when it comes to impression management. You know, the show must go on. But it's only my wife, it's my kids who will see what is Paul like at home. You can think Paul is a strong prayer warrior, but they will know, is he really a prayer warrior? They will see because of what I'm like at home. So let's not measure our spirituality based on what we are like outside, but let's start with the home. The home is the primary ministry. It's your primary ministry base. And it's a true measure very often of how spiritual you really are. And I think it's so powerful that when Paul was speaking to Timothy, he gave that instruction. He said that if someone is to oversee a church, they need to be managing their own household really well. And that speaks to us concerning even a nation that when we promote people externally, we must actually first look at what they're like in the household. I believe it's such a powerful scripture. So here's the principle. If how I manage my family life is part of the criteria used in my spiritual promotion, then I want to pay close attention to it. This thing called family is crucial. You see, and in this series, we're going to share some practical virtues and some of them are uncommon virtues, but these will help you to boost your family life. And I've called these family life boosters. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 in the NLT, it says, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. That word honor is to weigh heavily something, right? Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. You know, if everyone applied this scripture, we would have no gender-based violence, right? So here's the principle. If failing to deal with my wife with understanding affects the effectiveness of my prayer life, then I want to pay, pay close attention to it. I want to give it close attention, this thing of understanding my wife, honoring my wife. You see, for too long, we have lived duplicitous lives. 
where we are one way at work or church, but very different at home. And I believe that it's because a lot of us are good at preparing to go to work, but we're not good at preparing to go back home afterwards. You see, the more accurate measure of your spirituality is seen in how you show up at home. Therefore, I believe we need to disciple people in family life. Many people do not experience a healthy family life. And so what happens is they live out what they know. They live out what they see. And I believe that for this reason, Paul gives Titus this important imperative, important and powerful instruction in Titus 2 verses 3 to 4. He says, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderous or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. So older women are called to instruct the younger women and to urge them to do practical things in terms of family life. This is so crucial. And you know, this last week, South Africa celebrated 27 years of independence. But sadly, many people are not experiencing true freedom in the home. Think about it. You see, we will not be truly free as a people until we've dealt with the social ills stemming from the home. You know that right now as we speak, 51% of women in South Africa say they've experienced gender-based violence, with 76% of men saying they've perpetrated gender-based violence at one stage in their lives, right? And this came from a particular uh, sample in Gauteng. A similar study revealed that one in five women report that they have experienced violence at the hands of a partner, right? These are crucial things for us to address. And by the way, it's not just uh, men harming women. It's also happening the other way around. And I've counseled lots of people, lots of couples. It also happens the other way around. And this is a serious issue which shows me that we need to disciple our people when it comes to how to do family life. You know that there are reports in South Africa concerning uh, abuse, right? And they show that one in two children have experienced some form of sexual abuse before the age of 18. If you ask kids 18 years of age and under, one of two will say, I've experienced some form of sexual abuse. And it's a known fact that boys tend to underreport uh, abuse because it's, you know, it's not the cool thing, right? There's shame around it. Like, oh, this is what I went through. Oh, people will think things concerning my sexuality if I tell them this is what's happened to me, okay? Uh, there's a particular clinic that treats abused uh, children and they state that 21% of abused people are abused by their biological fathers. So we've got this whole thing of, um, you know, stranger danger, you know, that it's only strangers you must be careful of. And the problem with saying that is people begin to think that, well, I'm completely safe if I'm with someone who I know, this uncle of mine or uh, this individual, this friend who's come to visit us. But there's so many cases of incest today. You see, child-headed households, This is a big issue in South Africa today, all right? Uh, And this is, by the way, defined as a household that has got no adults, 
okay it's basically children okay so everyone who stays in that house is under the age of 18 and there are even more cases of situations where you have child-headed households but really a case where you've got adults there but they're either too old so can't do a lot of things and at the same time you've got uh, parents who might be there but they are critically ill and this is largely because of HIV AIDS right uh, so in South Africa as we speak there are approximately 122,000 children living in child-headed households and here I'm talking about pure child-headed households with no adults but think of how many more are in situations where they're practically running these households okay uh, but the adults there are not capable of running a household. Sometimes it's also due to addiction, by the way. Now, here's the thing. This saddens me because God was the one who designed family for a purpose. He designed family for a purpose. I mean, think about it. You know, imagine if children just dropped down from trees, you know, imagine if there was just like a storm, like a hailstorm, and, oh, there's a group of children who've just like, you know, popped out of the sky. No, God designed it that way, that we we're all born into families. And I believe one of the main reasons he did that was that he wanted mom and dad to reflect his heart toward those children and to nurture them so that as their personalities are being formed in those first 10 years of their lives, they become whole people, mature people, people who reflect the image of God and can do great exploits. For him in the nations. In the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 68, verse 6, the Bible says, God sets the lonely in families. So he's the one who sets the lonely in families, right? He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. I think it's such a powerful statement that one of the main ways God deals with this issue of loneliness Okay, he's made us social beings and he deals with loneliness by saying, let me place you in a family. Therefore, a family needs to be an environment where there's connection, where there's bonding, where there's true fellowship. I believe that one of God's solutions for loneliness is family. Family should be a spacious place where emotional needs are met and where the people around us reinforce God's heart toward us. I need to be asking myself, how does God see my wife? He delights in her. He loves her. He sees her potential. And then my job as her husband is to reinforce that. My job is to help her feel those feelings, those feelings of delight, those feelings of significance. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do it to our spouses. We're supposed to be that for our children. And I believe that God is taking us to a place where we need to be discipled when it comes to how to do family life. So as I share with you these family life boosters, I'll probably be doing one each Sunday. Next week, we're going to obviously be having Mother's Day and a powerful Mother's Day message from my wife. But um, for most weeks uh, in the next uh, foreseeable future, we'll be talking about family life boosters. And the first one I want to look at today is Aspire. So I'm giving it to you as an instruction, but aspire. What do I mean by to aspire? What is aspiring? Have a vision for family life. You see, vision is not limited to business or church. 
Vision is also for family life. There are many families that have family mission statements. This is powerful. You see, a lot of people haven't got a clear picture of a preferred future concerning their family life. That's really what vision is. It's a clear picture of a preferred future. Have a look at Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua here says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I shared with you just now what's happening in our nation concerning families. And I could have gone on and on and on just talking about the destruction of family life where so many people have been wounded in their families. They don't believe in family anymore. I hear people saying things like, you hear ladies sometimes saying, I just want to have a baby, you know, but this husband thing, uh-uh, it doesn't work because their picture of a preferred future is skewed based on past experience. But we see Joshua here, who was a visionary. Remember, Joshua and Caleb were the ones who got into the promised land and they went in and they spied in the promised land and they saw something that they liked. They saw a preferred future. I believe he had a vision for his family. And he said, you guys choose what you want to do. But as for me and my household, this is what we're choosing. And I believe that in his mind, he had a picture of what serving God looked like as a family. Do you have a vision for the type of Christian that you want to be? Do you have a vision for the type of believers you want to raise up in your family? Do you have a picture of how radical you will be as believers, as a household? This is so crucial. This is so, so important. And as we talk about vision and visioneering, I want to encourage you, when you set goals and when you have a vision, have a vision for something that you can shape. Have goals for something that you're in control of. You see, I can't say, my goal is to have happy children. That's outside of my control. I can't control their level of happiness. But what's within my control and influence is this. My goal is to be conscious of how I show up when I get home because I know that I shape the climate. I know that the mood that I'm in when I get home each day will determine what the evening is going to be like for my family. So I'm in control of that. So I want to make sure that my emotional bank account is always full as I'm interacting with my family. I can influence that. I can do things throughout the day that influence that. So when we talk about aspiring, we're talking about achieving certain goals, having a vision for a preferred future. And here's the interesting thing. Dogs can't do that. Animals can't do that. It's something unique to the human being. Last time I checked, our great Dane didn't come up to me and say, Paul, here's my five-year plan. But here's the good news. We can do so as Believers, we can do so as human beings. We can shape our future. So to aspire, according to Merriam-Webster dictionary, is to seek to attain or accomplish a particular goal. So we would say, for example, she aspired to a career in medicine. It also means to ascend or to soar. And we want our family lives to do so. But a key thing is we need to aspire. 
You see, in order to overcome in this area of family, it's so important that we're not visionaries only when it comes to business or only when it comes to churches, but we're visionaries also for the family life that we want. And even if you're a child in a family and you're listening to this message, this applies to you so much because you haven't even started your family. You know, when I was 17 years of age, 18 years of age, I was already reading books on effective fathering because I was interested in the subject. I knew it was important. You see, we need to train our young people with regards to this. Joshua must have had an idea of what serving God looked like. He was a visionary. He must have had a picture of, of what he could see his family doing. He was a visionary not just for a nation, but he was a visionary also for his family. So I want to ask you this question. Do you have a vision for your family life? Or are you just living by default? Remember, a vision is a picture of a preferred future. And the problem, again, with people is they set goals for their finances. They set goals for their careers. But you don't see them setting goals for family life. You see, when you have a negative picture of family imprinted in your mind based on your experience, that becomes your normal, doesn't it? And you can suffer from what we call the tyranny of the familiar. Or you can end up in a bondage, in true bondage to a fantasy. What do I mean by this? When you're bound by the tyranny of the familiar, it's where you're so used to abuse. You're so used to lack of connection. So when something good comes your way, you're thinking, what's the catch? Because that's become your normal and you settle for second best. That's the tyranny of the familiar. Sometimes because you've had bad experiences in the past, you can actually end up in bondage to a fantasy where you literally say, I want to escape from that negative past and this is the ideal I'm looking for. And you go the other extreme where you're just looking for something so perfect. You experienced verbal abuse as a child. And now, you now in marriage, you're expecting your spouse to always speak super soft to you. And any time they're firm with you, you freak out and you say, they're abusing me, they're abusing you. But they're abusing me, but they're not really. It's because it's a wound. And so you become in someone who's bondaged to a fantasy. This is important for us to look into these things. You see, some people settle for second best in family life because of their past wounds and their past disappointments. Hey, this is what life is like. All men are like this. You know what it's like. Just accept it. Oh, husband is cheating. No, that's what men do, right? You hear people saying things like that. You hear people being given bad advice when they have those kitchen teas before um, they, get, they get married. You know, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, the Bible tells us. And so a lot of people don't want to hope anymore for a wonderful family life. But I want to encourage you to aspire. I want to encourage you to dream. Ephesians 3 verse 20, the Bible says that he will grant us way more. He will grant us more, much more than we can ever ask for or imagine. We mustn't just be asking, we must also be imagining. What are you asking for concerning family life? Can you see it in your mind's eye? Are you imagining it? Have you got a picture of it? This is important. So a lot of people don't want to have vision for family life because of their bad experiences. And you know what? They don't realize that by default, 
they end up having no vision actually. You know, they actually have no vision by default. They're not living by design. They're living by default. Others try to escape into a fantasy by trying to be the opposite of what they saw growing up. The result of this is they end up with bitter root judgments. And a bitter root judgment is where you vow and you say, I can't believe my dad was like that. I can't believe my mom was like that. I will never do that. How can they do that to their children? And then those very people start doing the same thing. And they sometimes are even worse than their parents were. And we see this cycle taking place generationally. The Bible says with the same measure you judge another, you'll be judged. As long as you're not forgiving your parents, you remain connected to their sin. But when you forgive, you're releasing them from that particular sin. And when you're connected to someone's sin, sometimes you end up doing it yourself. You see, when you become bitter towards someone, it's very dangerous. Why? Because bitterness defiles you. Bitterness defiles you, the Bible says. So you end up doing some of those very things that you used to uh, rebuke others for doing. So my question to you is, what is your vision for your family outside of the cultural norms that you've subconsciously accepted? I'm going to say it again. What is your vision for your family outside of the cultural norms you have subconsciously accepted? You see, we all have a picture of what family looks like based on what we've experienced. And unless we intentionally choose how we want to be, we go by that default very often. What I've seen happening uh, very often is that uh, people get married and then this one has certain expectations based on what family looks like for them. And then this other one has certain expectations. This one wants this one to be uh, just like her father because that's what fathers are like. And you see, that's very dangerous because your spouse isn't the same as your father. And you see, if you look in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, the Bible says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. You cannot truly cleave to your spouse unless you've first left mom and dad. And part of that leaving process, the way it looks is you sit down and you say, what's the vision for the new family that we are going to build? What's our vision? And you can co-create it together. And it's never too late. And you can actually look back and actually say, you know what, what aspects of the family that I grew up in, what aspects do I want to keep? And what aspects do I want to discard? And a lot of people are sensitive about this, because, but my parents worked hard, my parents are wonderful, I'm not being loyal toward them. If I discard, discard that practice, if I discard that particular thing, mm, you must sit down and make those decisions to say, this is what we're going to do. This is what family life is going to look like. This is how we're going to raise our kids. This is how we're going to pray. This is how we're going to agree with each other. This is how we're going to uh, give. You have a vision of that. It's so powerful. It's so powerful when you also involve your children in the process. Uh, people will always support that which they create. You see, so uh, as parents, you have a vision and you say, this is what we want to do. But in terms of the implementation of it, there's so much your kids can get involved in. And I think it becomes so powerful. 
So my question to you is, what is your purpose in your family members' lives? Do you have a vision for your purpose in your wife's life? Your purpose in your siblings' lives? Your purpose in your parents' lives? Your parents, your purpose in your husband's life? You see, one of the things I've learned is that there's general purpose that we have in our walk with the Lord, but we also have purpose that's specific to specific people. You see, there are people who are called into our lives and God puts them into our lives so that we can do something to unlock the greatness that's in them. Think about it. He sets the family, he sets the lonely into families for a purpose. And he knows the other people who are part of that family and the things that they can draw out in that individual. The things you're called to draw out of your siblings. What's your purpose in your big brother's life? What's your purpose in your little sister's life? What's your purpose in your parents' lives? You see, when God gives us a revelation of these things, family life becomes more meaningful. Some of you have been used to bring salvation to some of your family members. Some of you have been instrumental in discipling some of your family members. Some of you, God just wants to use in your child's life to draw out certain skills, certain talents. I remember once saying to my wife, you know what? You're so gifted in so many areas. But you know, some of those gifts that you have are secondary gifts. And God has wired you that way because those gifts are going to be primary gifts in, some, in, our, in our children. But he wants to use you to be a catalyst to unlock something in them. Sometimes God will give you something and it might not be your primary purpose, but it's the primary purpose of someone else. And God has skilled you in that area so that you can ignite it in someone else. Let me ask you another question that will help you in the visioneering process, in the process of aspiring for great family life. What is the future story you would like to tell about the family you are building or going to build one day? What is the future story you would like to tell about that family? One day when you're on your deathbed, what will you say? You see, we live in such an individualistic culture. Very often we just focused on ourselves, aren't we? Where we're thinking, this is my life vision. I'm accountable to God as an individual. Eh, wrong answer. If you're a leader and you're building a family, you're going to have to give an account of how you led that family. You're going to have to give an account of that how you led that family. You might not be ultimately responsible for the choices your family members make, but you certainly are accountable for the atmosphere and the climate that you created. Remember, I keep saying this, leaders are social architects. Mom, dad, you're social architects. An architect designs a building, but as a leader who's building a family, you are a social architect. You create climate. You create climate. So what is the future story you would like to tell about the family that you're going to build one day or you're currently building? I want to encourage you to think about that. And young people begin to think about that. Single people begin to think about that. Even if you choose not to get married, you're still building a family because you're part of a family. What's your role? What's your role? Begin to aspire concerning that. Let me ask you another question. How different will your family be compared to the one in which you grew up? The family you want to build one day or are currently building, how different will it be compared to the one in which you grew up? This is a powerful question. Sit down, husband and wife, and have this conversation. In Judges chapter 6, verses 25 through to 29, we see the account of Gideon. 
God called him, you mighty warrior. God wanted to use him in a very powerful way. But there's something Gideon had to do before God could use him powerfully. It says, that same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Verse 26, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family, like many people are, and of the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. What are you doing at night instead of during the day? In the morning, when the people of the town got up, you see, people always find out. Uh, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it, cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. You see, Gideon had to tear down certain things from his father's household. Certain idols had to be torn down and something new had to be built up for the living God. What are the things, what are the things in your culture that need to be torn down? What are the things in your family that need to be torn down? And something for this next generation built up. This is so, so important. This is so important. You see, before God could fully utilize Gideon, he wanted Gideon to uproot certain things. Can you see what you need to uproot? You see, as you aspire, as you develop a vision for the future, before you can build up certain things, you have to tear down certain things. What things need to be uprooted from your family culture before you walk in the fullness of your purpose? That's my question to you. And people get sensitive about these kinds of things. What aspect of your family life are most resistant to change? You know, that's, this, this is where you understand someone's culture. What are the things that are most resistant to change? Where you are very sensitive about it. Where when we challenge you about it, even in a church setting, you resist because you're like, no, this is how we do things. Don't try and change things. Is there anything you view as gross sin because of your upbringing, but the Bible doesn't actually see it in the same way? And the converse is true, by the way. Is there anything that is culturally acceptable by your family, but the Bible is against it? So we want to rebuild our family life based on the word of God. That's the foundation we ought to build on. Now, here's the thing. It's one thing to have a dream. It's another thing to have a goal. A goal is a dream with a deadline. And it's important that when we set our goals for family life, we have action plans that are linked to them. This is so important. You see, in the process of visioneering, in the process of aspiring to become something, you want to be very detailed. You want to be very detailed about what it will look like. The more vivid the picture is, the clearer it is, the more likely it is to take place. This is so crucial. It's something that you ardently desire, but you can vividly see it. So what do I mean by planning? What do I mean by having an action plan? To plan is to prepare the details beforehand. 
And it's so important to have a vision with an action plan for family life. And one of the things I often share, in fact, it's in my book, Conversing, it's one of the chapters, but it's to do with the family life planner, where you go through that particular chapter and you can literally, uh, you have questions that I ask you, you know, how are you going to do your holidays? How are you going to give as a family? How will you do devotions? Who's responsible for what? These are powerful questions to be unpacked. It's also a conversation starter. And I want to actually help you to, uh, to aspire by just uh, closing your eyes. And I'm going to ask you some of those questions. And uh, they can actually be the start of a bit of a conversation. So think of your marriage, for example, whether it's your, your, the marriage you're in right now or the marriage you're aspiring for. Just visualize how you're going to do dates and how often. How are you going to have leisure time alone where you just go away without the kids? What's your belief about that? There's some people, they wait 10 years before they ever go away without the kids. These are real life situations. Where will you go for dates? What's the frequency and regularity of this? How will you speak to your spouse? See yourself talking to them. How tender are you? What's the emotion you're feeling right now? How can you condition yourself to always be in that state? How can you affect your physiology so you're always in that state? How will you, how will you ensure that these things take place? Who's going to look after the kids when you go away together? What are you going to do for anniversaries? How much are you going to budget for gifts for each other? How will you keep your spouse's Love tank full. What are some of the random acts of kindness that you see taking place in your home? How are you going to surprise each other? What are you going to do for fun and recreation as a family? What is mom like? What is dad like? What do the children like? What are some of the age-specific boundaries when it comes to entertainment? Can you see yourself disciplining your children? How will you do so? What are your views on pets? What types of pets are you going to have in your household? Indoor pets? Outdoor pets? Are the dogs going to be allowed in? What rooms do they have access? Visualize yourself practicing some of the following responsibilities. Can you see yourself doing family devotions? Do you see yourself as the spiritual person, this mature believer, teaching their children, praying with their spouse, praying with your children, establishing doctrine? Can you see yourself doing these things? Can you see yourself giving them guidance? Can you see yourself protecting your children, protecting them from certain strangers, protecting them from ungodly friends, protecting them from the media? Can you see yourself reaching that stage as your children grow older, preparing them? There's the stage for protecting, then there's the stage for preparation. You protect them with regards to their moral innocence, but you prepare them for life. What are you seeing? You can open your eyes now. I know some of you had your eyes open uh, all this time. You don't trust the people around you, so, you know, or you had one eye open. I want to encourage you to learn to aspire. And here's the thing. 
We did something that's a long-term thing or a long-range thing just now. But I want to encourage you, visualize not just the next 10 years, but the next 10 hours. What's this evening going to look like? How are you going to show up? What emotions are you going to be feeling? Visualize this weekend coming up. Aspire for it. The unprepared person will always be at the mercy of the prepared person. That's why some of you are always on someone else's agenda. Because you never have a plan. You never have a vision for your weekend. So you're always on someone else's agenda. Visualize not just the ten, next 10 years, but the next 10 hours. How will you show up at home today? Sometimes we take for granted the people around us. So we just live by default when we are with them, especially our loved ones, because we know they love us unconditionally or maybe they're dependent on us. So we think ah, they can't really send me to jail. They're dependent on me, right? People have this approach with children, with spouses. What can you do for your family that will result in much praise going to the Lord? See, the reason we do what we do is not love with a hook. We don't want to love people just so that they respect us more or like us more. Ultimately, we want many expressions of thanksgiving to be going up to the Lord. That's, that's how Paul thought, eh? When you look in scripture, this generosity of yours is, is meeting the needs of the saints, he says, but it's also resulting in many expressions of thanksgiving going up to the Lord. What can you do for your family that will result in much praise going to the Lord? Can you see yourself doing those things? It's amazing when I speak to people about family life and when people start getting a vision for what their families will look like. You hear people saying, I think I need to contribute more. And we'll talk about that. That's, an, that's actually another, love, um, uh, another family booster. Okay, Contribution. What are you contributing? Have a vision for your contribution. Is your family experiencing the best of you or the worst of you? Have a vision for the best. The best version of you showing up. Another question I have for you. Do you like who you're becoming? Do you like who you're becoming? As you go from this message, take time to have a conversation with your family members. Perhaps you're single and you've got siblings and you want to talk about the family you want to build, even your extended family. Perhaps you're in a situation where you're newly married. Talk about these things. Maybe you're engaged. I know some engaged people. Talk about it. What family do you want to bring? Do you want to build up? And I want to encourage those of you who are youngsters, maybe you're youth, maybe you're 16, 17. Have a vision for the family you want to build. That's what Noah was like. That's what Noah was like. That's what Joshua was like. I want to encourage you. Be like that. Aspire. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that our nations have been destroyed even from the family foundation. And Lord, we ask for your forgiveness because we've moved away from your principles and we have not discipled people effectively in how to build strong families. Father, we ask for your help and we ask for the unleashing of your grace. Let it be activated, Lord, 
so that we come to a place, Lord, of building strong families, that it would be a priority, Father God, that we would not seek promotion out there without making a concerted effort to embrace your grace for great godly family life. We ask for your help in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's go and transform society, starting with our households, starting with our families. God bless you.